Welcome back to another episode of Poems A Penny Each. This week, we're looking at the poem There's Been A Death In The Opposite House by Emily Dickinson. This week we're going to look at a poem written by Emily Dickinson and just, you know, a lot has been made about the fact that Emily Dickinson spent most of her life living in seclusion. Um, in fact, at one point she didn't even leave her room. And and sadly, uh, the myth of the um, sad, lonely spinster, the, the lock-in, uh, kind of overlooks her poetry. People tend, once you learn about Emily Dickinson, that's what people tend to focus on, um, which is kind of sad, I think, because actually her poetry is so full of life and joy at times, full of fiery uh, wit. Um, such a, a, a her poetry is alive because her mind is sharp and and alive and it's brilliant. And when I first decided that I was going to be a poet, up until that point, I had you know. I used poetry, I started writing poetry in school um, and then I did it mostly to like when I was bored. Then I used poetry as a means of getting girls to notice me. But I never really took it serious and I never really read a lot of poets. You know, I'd had to read poets like Heaney and Yeats in school growing up in Ireland. But it wasn't until I decided that that was what I was going to do in my life, that I started to read the works of other poets. Emily Dickinson was the voice that spoke to me the loudest in those early years and had the the, the most uh, profound influence. She helped me to realise that even if you don't get read, keep on writing. She showed me that your, your poems can be full of sharp wit, that you can look at what's happening in the world and slice through it with, with sharp poems that just cut to the to the, the the essence of what is happening around her. And sadly, her world was quite narrow because she did live, at one point, not even leaving her bedroom. And most of her relationships were letters that she wrote to people who didn't even see her, As especially as as her life came to it, near to its end. Most people didn't see her. She barely left the house and when people did see her she tended to be wearing white and she was considered a bit of an oddball by her her neighbours and stuff but you know all of that is beside the point the fact is is that when you read her poems you see that this was a mind that was sharp witty clever and, and knew what was going on so I really want to share one of her poems that I loved when I was younger. It kind of spoke to me because if you think about it, okay, Emily Dickinson tended to have a number of, of um, topics in her poetry. And one of them famously is the fact that she wrote a lot about death. Um, and I was always taken with that. I mean, when I was younger, I used to sit in a local graveyard reading the revelation to John from the Bible as the sunset. You know, I was quite, you know, dark like that. 
So, you know, poems about morbidity always spoke to me. But there were other poems that she talked about. She wrote gospel poems. She wrote poems about the, the flowers in the garden. She did have a lover that sadly never really came to anything. Um, you know, she, there, there were poems that are called the master poems in which she addressed um, a master, a sir. And and there's, you know, lots of people have different ideas as to whether this was an actual person or just, you know, love for all eternity has been one of the things or just, you know, different, different ideas to whether or not these are actually genuinely about a man or whether it's some other notion. But anyway, that's Emily Dickinson. Not a lot can be said about her other than the fact that she spent all her life living in Massachusetts um where she was where she was born um and she lived for 55 years she wrote prolific amount of poetry i mean she wrote 1800 poems only 10 of which were published during her life and whilst it's very easy to look at the life and consider her to be a miserable and she gets a bit of a bad rap as I has been a miserable, but she isn't miserable at all. And her poems are absolutely just amazing poems, even when dealing with the subject matter of debt. So without any further ado, here's the poem. There's been a death in the opposite house. There's been a death in the opposite house, as lately as today. I know it by the numb look, such houses have alway. The neighbours rustle in and out, the doctor drives away. A window opens like a pod, abrupt mechanically. Somebody flings a mattress out, the children hurry by. They wondered if it died on that, I used to win a boy. The minister goes stiffly in, as if the house were his. And he owned all the mourners now, and little boys besides. And then the milliner and the man of the appalling trade, to take the measure of the house, there'll be that dark parade. Of tassels and of coaches soon, it's an easy sign, the intuition of the news in just a country town. So, so that's the poem. There's been a death in the opposite house. Um, for me, this poem shows us everything that a poet can do, all the devices a poet can do to not only tell us a story, but to put us into it and to reveal details in, in very subtle ways. Almost without using, you know, using one word to reveal a sentence. It's ingenious. A brief description of the layout of the poem. We have six stanzas. Is that right? Six stanzas. Each stanza has four lines, so it's a quatrain. And it operates on a rhyming scheme of A, B, C, B. Which means that the first three lines don't rhyme 
with each other, but the last line rhymes with the second. So A, B, C, B. That's the rhyming beat or rhythm of the poem. So each of the stanzas operate on that principle. That the second and last line rhyme with each other. The first and third line don't rhyme with each other at all. And have no relevance. There's also, she uses, uh, one of her most commonly used devices in, in writing poems was the slant rhyme. So you have an example of that um, where she says the doctor drives away, a window opens like a pod, abrupt mechanically. It doesn't rhyme, but it's a slant rhyme. There's kind of almost a similar ending, but not quite. She also has that in the next stanza. Uh, the children hurry by, I used to win a boy. So she uses slant rhyme a lot. So it's kind of jarring. As you read it, it's jarred and you kind of think, well, could, why couldn't she rhyme it properly? But that's not um, because she couldn't rhyme properly. It's because she chooses to use this. And the, and the idea is jarring. And it, it kind of is offsetting a little bit. It, it's kind of unsettling, I should say. Not offsetting. It's unsettling. And why shouldn't it be? You're reading about a family who have a loss. So you're looking out the window. And as you're reading it, you're seeing it, so you're watching it. Because th this is what a good poem should do. It should take you so that you're no longer just reading about it, but you're seeing it as it's happening. You're the person watching out the window. Now, I hope that blows your mind. Because that's what Emily does. She takes you into this scene. So, we've seen it. There's a house, or there's a death in the house. It happened today, just now. The doctor, he drives away. His work is done. He couldn't save the person the windows have opened up like a pod so it's revealing what's happening but it's not not beautiful it's abrupt mechanical it's jerky it's awkward because although you can see what's happening or hear what's happening inside the house now to know what's going on you've been led into the house it's kind of again the idea is, is to, to not that this isn't something beautiful and smooth like a pod opening up naturally, just uncl unclasping as they do. It's kind of jerky and abrupt and off-putting. Next thing, somebody flings a mattress out. So the 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 you know the, there's a mattress being cleaned out. The children hurry by. They wonder if it died on that. I used to win a boy. This stanza is so awesome because what she's done here she is first of all yeah you're carrying on the scene the mattress has been aired out children are, are hurrying by and they're talking to each other amongst themselves and they wonder if it so we don't know who or what has died we just know that somebody has died but even even now it's kind of that almost impersonal thing of children are oh, it the body the, the thing something to be afraid of they wondered if it died on that i used to i used to what i used to wonder those things i used to be like that you know making up these stories about oh that's the mattress that it died on and and so like again we're, we're given this insight into the thinking of the writer but then all of a sudden everything has blown up because she reveals that the narrator of this poem is not her 
a lonely woman sitting in her bedroom looking out the window, curtain twitching, as we assume. It's a man. A man. Because he says, I used to wonder if, you know, when I'd see the mattresses hanging out aired and like that, I would wonder, did the person die in that? When I was a boy. That, like that line there in itself just turns everything around. But of course, it's not just a, a man reading this or looking at this. Because whatever you are, as you read this poem, you're seeing this happening. You're the person there. Or you're at least being there when somebody's telling you about it. And this person isn't a woman. It's a man who's telling you. And men are just as guilty of curtain twitching as, as a woman of being nosy. I know this. At one point, um, a few years back, there was an accident across the street from me uh, where a chap accidentally hit his kid with the car. The kid had ran out. It was a small kid and he was reversing the car around and didn't see that the kid was there because the kid had just run out the open door and got hit in the head. And we were, like, we were all, all of us, all, the whole street were either on the street watching or watching from our windows as you know he realized what happened carried the kid into the house the air ambulance came they took the kid away and then he was there scrubbing the blood from the street from the pavement where he'd hit the kid and cleaning it off his car it was it was horrific horrific we all watched it so even men are just as guilty of of this voyeurism of looking in at other people's life and listening for the least little glimpse of, of what's happening next we then have the the um the minister arriving in his stiff um arrogant way and and it kind of does paint the idea and for us now we look at, at these ministers and we see them as arrogant men and he was an arrogant man he's sauntered into the house as if he owns everyone as if he owned all the mourners now and little boys besides and the boys is capitalized which for me gives the impression that this is the funeral of or talking about the death of a child that's what i think because that word there is capitalized and and she did she did capitalize all these you know things because as if the house were his capitalized house capitalized his and he the minister capitalized on all the mourners capitalized and little boys and of course there's that idea of the priest you know reprimanding the children and telling off the little kids and all of that kind of stuff and, and it just paints that picture but for me that line and little boys besides it gives me the idea that the person who died was a child that's what i think maybe it's just looking into it then we have the the milliner and the man of the appalling trade the undertaker to take the measure of the house what house not the house we're talking about in the poem i think but the house for the for the body, the, the the coffin, he's taken the measure of the coffin. And that's going to become the house for this poor soul or this poor human who's died. There'll be that dark parade of tassels and of coaches soon. So now now they're, he's looking forward, to, not looking forward to, but he's predicting the funeral, which we cannot see. And it's kind of weird because as we can imagine is if Emily had actually seen this scene happening and no doubt she did she knows that that's going to come next it'll be the 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 coach with the tassels the black tassels and the coffin laid in it the 
people walking behind as as it goes on to to the the graveyard and then we it wraps up it's a it's a it's easy as a sign the intuition of the news in just a country town so again it's just saying that in a country town nothing escapes notice people see these kind of things and they know from the from the very beginning as as she did there's been a death in the opposite house in the opposite house as lately as today i know it by the numb look such houses have always so we're back to the beginning she's kind of like giving us the progression of the scene as it happened but at the beginning of it there was that intuition there was a death in the opposite house and she did the, the or he the narrator knew it by the numb look so they didn't have to be told they knew that somebody had died in that house today and that's the intuition and it passes around and everybody in the town knows from the signs that that's what happened but it's just to me this poem was brilliant because there were so many devices in it that helped you just get the idea and change your idea as you're going along you, you start off this thinking it's a woman looking out it's emily looking out at somebody but all of a sudden no it's a man telling us that he watched out and then with just a few little words broken sentences we get the idea we see the minister we get the idea of how how he walked in and his demeanor and how he acted as if he owned the place we get a few little words again and the milliner and the man of the appalling trade again we get the idea of them we see them and it's it just it was just a brilliant poem and it's one of the poems that really showed me just how a poet can tell you a story with a few broken words well worth reading i i strongly urge you to, to click on the link in the show notes and have a read of it yourself and don't just take my word for it it's a brilliant poem So that was this week's episode of Poems a Penny Each. I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk about the Emily Dickinson poem, There's Been a Death in the Opposite House. To read the poem yourself, you can check out the link in the show notes. And if you feel like you want to subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes of Poems a Penny Each, please subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Until next week, uh, thanks for listening and I hope you all stay safe. Goodbye for now.